Hello and welcome back to the Scenario 7 podcast. My name is Sam and today we are here for a Dutch Grand Prix review and of course I couldn't do it alone. Today I'm joined by Mr Joe Roberts. Joe how are you doing mate? I'm doing well Sam how are you? I'm doing good, thank you. And as I said, Dutch Grand Prix review. And we've got to start on the Saturday. Let's start with qualifying, of course. And to my first question to you, Joe, anything stand out to you? Um, I think for me, it's just the, the well, I would say the a bit of a people, people and the, the Dutch fans and also stewards, not stewards, um, what's it called? Um of work staff there being a bit stupid and throwing flares on the track and kind of disrupting qualifying but also the fact is that um the staff and still still dominating um around this track but over the Ferraris could have got pole um obviously Leclerc was very unhappy I probably could have got it if his um first sector was a lot better than I think it's either first or middle sector was a lot better. Um could have could have got pole away from Verstappen. But um apart from that, um interesting that the Alpines didn't get into into Q3. Um but then oh Sonoda also I think Sonoda or Stroll I think got into Q3. I think both uh, did. Yeah both did so very impressive kind of um boosting their their, their experience in, in in Q3 rather than getting knocked out in Q1 or Q2. And then yeah, yeah, it was just a, a very interesting quality. Um, but again, a bit disappointed that that Max kind of dominated. Yeah, I mean you you've brought up quite a lot of the points. It was definitely disappointing with seeing the amount of flares that were in the stadium and one getting onto the track. I mean, it was pretty well known that they were going to have a ban on flares, but we there were still so many and that definitely marred qualifying. But on track, a few other points, Bottas and Ricardo out in Q1. It's not really, it's more of a shock that Bottas has got knocked out, but the Alfa Romeo isn't exactly that strong. And Ricardo getting knocked out in Q1 isn't really a surprise anymore. It's just his season's been a bit of a nightmare. As you said, both Alpines out in Q2, but still showing some fantastic race pace. So that was a surprise, but they did make up for it in the race. And as you said, Stroll, Sonoda and Schumacher, I'll bring him up as well, getting through to Q3. I think that was a massive positive for those drivers and shows that they are developing. It is a bit weird for Stroll to get into Q3 because his biggest weakness has always been qualifying. Like his race pace is fine, but he gets so much flack because he always qualifies so badly. So maybe we'll start seeing some better qualifying performances from Stroll. Perez spinning on the final run was frustrating for me and stopped him doing any better. And then, yeah, the second on pole, the floor changes clearly haven't done anything as that Red Bull just still looks so, so strong. Now to Sunday, Joe, before you go in detail, what were your general thoughts on the race? Um, I think it was quite interesting. I think it's probably one of the, the best races probably since round 
six, I think after Monaco or Spain, I think this is probably the most interesting race, just due to the fact that you had to kind of pit twice. It was kind of the deg was that high, which for me, I think every every track should be like that, just due to the fact that it kind of spices up the racing in in a way and yeah causes different variation of strategy is obviously Verstappen going on the softs and the house and and Russell going on the medium so it kind of um made it a bit more interesting um I think if everybody went on the softs then I think it would just be in a very boring race because obviously Verstappen would have gone gone off and and, and won it um and then obviously you got the incident with Sonoda causing a a, um, a a virtual safety car. For me, it should have been a full safety car just because, just for the fact it took them two laps to uh, end it. And then obviously then Bottas. Um, so yeah, my, then Bot- obviously Bottas brought out the safety car and then it kind of spiced things up. Um, but yeah, for, for me, it was a, a very intriguing race yeah it was definitely a good race on top of what you've mentioned you have ferrari always trying to provide some entertainment in the different ways that they can mess up the race it's it's impressive seeing how they do it every time as you said the virtual safety car and safety car um, made the race strategies really interesting and it was very clear that it benefited some teams and some drivers, but with some drivers, it definitely had a detrimental effect, but we'll come onto that a bit later. But yeah, it wasn't a bad race. It was, it was probably in the top half of races this season. Let's go to the incident report now. And there aren't really many things to talk about, but the first thing is Yuki Tsunoda, lap 47, he pulled to the side of the track with a differential issue after previously pulling to the side of the track and pitting in the laps before. Now, there's a lot of conspiracy theorists uh, online who are saying that it was them doing Red Bull a favour. Now, Joe, what's your opinion on this? Is this Um, just a car issue or is it the sister team like doing Red Bull's wishes? I, I, I wouldn't say that as in obviously I like a bit of controversy, but I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that Alpha Tari would on purpose. I think it's a bit though those reports are a bit absurd and I think uh, as in again as in um I think on Twitter they posted out after I think a day after the race of the conspiracy theory. I think it's yeah quite quite disrespectful to the team but it did <clears throat> the only thing I question it on is the fact is you stop out on track it kind of for me mean that if you go back into the pits you have to then retire if you're doing up a seat belt um and then going out back onto track it, and then seeing it it sends the issue and then basically stopping in the same place um it cut in that way i can understand kind of understand the suspicion but i think it's just alpha tarry not kind of preempting something and they should have retired when he was back in the pits mm. um but yeah i i don't know i, I for me the reports are a bit a bit yeah stupid 
Yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't think there was anything suspicious about it. I mean, that would be Red Bull and Alpha Tauri getting risky and getting kicked out of the championship. And when Red Bull have such a comfortable league, a lead, sorry, at the top of those constructors, there's no way they're going to risk that. It was just funny because you had Yuki Tsunoda pulling side of the track saying the tyre's not on properly. And then he starts undoing his belt and they're like, no, you're fine. He goes in the pits. Then they've got to re-fasten his belt, which you're not really allowed to do. And then he starts going out of the pits and they're on the radio saying, "You've um, like there is something wrong. You've got to pull to the side of the track because you're not allowed to stop in the pit lane. And to be honest, I think it would have been better he stopped in the pit lane because they could have just closed the pit lane for a bit and just kept the race going. But it it made it interesting. But was it suspicious? No, I don't think so. We also had on lap 55, Bottas breaking down on the main straight, causing a safety car. Of course, not really a talking point, but still an incident. And then moving on to Carlos Sainz, who I think is lucky to only get one penalty this weekend because the penalty that he got was a five-second penalty for unsafe release. And first of all, Joe, do you think that was a fair penalty? Um, Yes and no. The fact is, I think Carlos Sainz went into anti-stall. Well, it looked like he went into anti-stall because he got off very, very slowly. Um. But then again, you can't do that. Even it counts as an unsafe release because Alonso had to to break. Um, but yeah, that, that's that's my my thoughts. Yeah, it is a tough one because the the Dutch circuit at Zanvoort is so the pit lane is so tight. So you've really got to be precise in the in the pit lane, like when coming out of your box. And there there was a time this weekend where someone was coming out of the pit and then one of the mechanics at another team literally had to dodge out of the way. So it's just so tight. So I think it's tough, but I think it was fair. I think five-second penalty for unsafe release. He did come out just in front with anti-store or not. So I think five second penalty for that was fair. But I also think he was lucky not to get penalised for A, overtaking under yellow flags. He did that when I think it was Bottas. Yeah, it was Bottas stopped on the main straight and the yellow flags came out and he still overtook the car and he didn't give the position back. Though he did kind of dive into the pits, I think, if I remember. So maybe that stopped him from getting it. And then for a mechanic leaving a wheel gun in an unsafe position for Perez to run over, I also don't think that's fair because if Perez had, if, if he'd have gone over that and the tyre had popped, he's then flying into some team's pit wall. So I think, again, another potential penalty. Joe, these two incidents, do you think, am I am I just overthinking it? Or... I think you're overthinking the, 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 the latter one in terms of, I think it's just the fact is that, um, I think the tightness of the pit lane basically caused that and it was slightly ajar outside their box. I Again, I don't think that's worthy of the penalty <clears throat> or science. Um because that's the spare wheel gun, just in case it the, the first one doesn't work. The, the 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 one with the overtaking on yellow flags, I think you have a case just due to the fact on the steering wheel of Ocon. I think it was Ocon or, or Alonso. 
Um, it did say that it was a, a yellow flag coming up. So I think he got away with it. I think the only reason he got away with it was just basically the fact is he was in front on, I think, on the start finishing line, I think. Or, um, I think start finishing line before sector one. I think that's the only way that saved him. Yeah, it was pretty dangerous because obviously Bottas' car being left in in that position on the first uh, corner. Mm, yeah, I think it, he was lucky. I, I I do think he was fortunate, but he he got one penalty, so two penalties would have been harsh. Three penalties would have been super harsh, but you you never know what the stewards are going to give. Let's go to the team by team breakdown. And, of course, starting with the team at the top of the constructors, flying high on 511 points, looking pretty unstoppable. This weekend, they got 36, including the fastest lap. And the fastest lap was attained by Max Verstappen, who in qualifying put his car on pole and in the race finished first in a very dominant weekend. And then Perez starting fifth after his spin in qualifying and finishing fifth. What do you think about Red Bull's weekend? I mean, they got the most points out of any team, but potentially disappointing from Perez's uh, part of the garage? Yeah, I, I would say I think it's glass half full in terms of the fact that they they did get away with one. The fact is, I think Lewis would have pushed them to the win um, if there wasn't any safety cars. And Perez... I think this weekend, or the even in Spa, I think he's been pretty woeful uh, ever since he got that got the contract. He hasn't been up to speed with um, with Max, and that might just be because Max has gone up an extra gear. But I I, I think from Perez's perspective, he'd be quite very well, very disappointed about being fifth place and should be a lot higher up the grid. Yeah, the one the reason I say this, considering his car is the best, mm. um, you would expect him to be ahead of the Mercedes and maybe in front of one Ferrari. Yeah, it was definitely a frustrating race from Perez's point of view. He he just couldn't really do anything in that car, which is frustrating. Hopefully, it improves. But at the, at the end of the day, he is just the perfect teammate for Verstappen, because whenever Verstappen needs him to be good, he is good. Like in this race, Verstappen was so dominant. And in Spa, he was so dominant that I know Perez is trying to do his own thing and compete himself. But from a Red Red Bull point of view, Perez has turned it on when they've needed the points. And yes, it's been disappointing the last few races, but he's still, in my opinion, is the perfect teammate for Verstappen. But moving on to a team that's a lot less dominant, and that is Ferrari. High expectations at the start of the season. And while second in the constructors, they could be falling back in the next few weeks. They've got 376 points and got 19 points in Zandvoort. Is Charles Leclerc, who put his car in second in qualifying and then finished third in the race. And then Carlos Sainz started third and finished eighth. Now, Joe, 
lot to, lot to say about Ferrari. And this weekend, it was mainly just signs is side of the garage messing everything up. But what do you what do you think about their weekend? I mean, from the pits, the awful pit stop to the oh, it was just a lot a lot of mess from Ferrari. Beer, what do you, what do you think of their weekend? Yeah, I I don't understand. Yeah, at the moment, I don't really understand what what Ferrari as in them being. Um generally just Ferrari as ever since 2008 they haven't really sorted out their strategy and um they in the beginning of the season they they had um the best car by I would say a um a country mile and obviously Red Bull have got that back over I think yeah got that back within three or four races but it, it's it's the way that it's kind of dropped off that's, in Ferrari's perspective, it's quite concerning. The fact is they keep on making mistakes. Bonotto keeps on saying, oh, it's roses and it's going well. And um, the fact is it isn't. And it, there's, there'll be questions on on his um, future as a, as team principal. Um, and yeah, as in going back, in generally to to um to the Netherlands, the fact is that science made a huge mistake. Uh, Leclerc could just do the best he got with the car. Probably should have got pole. And it's just a, in Ferrari's terms this season, there's been a huge amount of errors. And you you see Mercedes in general, they got an awful car, and they're third only i think it's only like 20 points now uh 30 points well 30 points now which is doable for them i think if ferrari keep on this like way they're gonna end up being third which at the start of the season mercedes having a shocker you would expect them to be fighting red bull for that constructors title so from a ferrari perspective i would say it's been quite a shambolic um, race weekend, and you would say that for Spa as well. Yeah, and how many other weekends? Yeah, as, as, in, as, the, as that's the thing. You would say there's been, I would say probably six shambolic weekends, which you can't have if you want to win championship. Yeah, and the thing is, they've built a good car. I mean, they've had reliability issues, but for the most part, they have built a good car. It's just the the strategy is awful. And the drivers have made errors as well. So it's so frustrating. I do feel for Ferrari fans at the moment because it is all going wrong. And then you have the bonus this week of, as if it can get any worse, the the, the lorry carrying the engines to Monza, the tyres, the brakes overheated and caught on fire. So it had to, they had to get the fire brigade to put the tires out, which is the most Ferrari thing I've seen all season. But you mentioned it there, Binotto questions over his future. Is it time for him to go? Are the problems with Binotto? I personally think it's a more deep rooted issue. But does change start with him? Um, I think with Ferrari in general, they've it's more it's it's I'm this is I'm just going to say it's is it a very Italian issue in terms of motorsport um in general um i don't think even if you look at other italian teams like alfa romeo lamborghini 
um, in in their respective championships, they've they've had issues in terms of strategy and or even general getting out performance out of the car. Ferrari, I think, Bonotto. I I think it's quite hard to explain because Bonotto is a good technician in terms of setting up the car and all that sort of stuff and getting that side to work in terms of car performance. But in terms of business, maybe he's doing a bit too much, which then kind of impacts him kind of getting out the, the race team in order. Um, but then who would you get for team principal that has, it would have to be intern in terms of Ferrari because they like having it within house rather than going to other teams. So yeah, it's for me, it's more intern, but I think Bonotto needs to take huge amount of responsibility of not, firing people when they should be fired in terms of strategy and um yeah just strategy and, and getting the car set up in the right right frame um, mm. but that's yeah again that's been a problem for ferrari for like 20 um since ross braun left i think and um grand todd i think it's grand no is, is it grand todd franz tost yeah Fra- uh, franz tost yeah yeah it is something they need to sort out whether that's at the end of the season or midway through the name that keeps going around in my head as a potential replacement Gunter Steiner right because a they need a man that will just like he will call out if you're doing something wrong he will be very blunt with you and he will axe people who he doesn't think is good enough so I think from that point of view be great he already has a great relationship with Ferrari because Haas has an engine deal with Ferrari, and I re- I really like Gunter Steiner. I think I think he'd be a good team principal at Ferrari. So he's the name that's been going around in my head. But that would be quite the quite the appointment that would see ripples through the F1 world. But let's let's move on to Mercedes now. Didn't do quite as well as Red Bull, but did gain points on Ferrari. They're now 346 points. They got 30 points this weekend. George Russell started in sixth, finished second. Very good race for him. And Lewis Hamilton finished fourth after qualifying from fourth. And Joe, I mean, good points for Mercedes, but is it a looking back what could have been especially for someone like Hamilton why is in terms of the championship if they if they started with his car no in in terms of if they had pitted him at Zandvoort could he have potentially bought more points home uh, or Mercedes I, I my 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 point of view in this is the fact is that they had to for me I what I would have done is kept Russell out and DR, try to DRS train it with Lewis. Um, the fact is, you could. That I think that could have worked. The other thing you could have done is just told Russell just to defend for like as many laps as possible. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think Lewis. There was a possibility. The fact is of obviously Verstappen's tires going, just trying to push to to get out and that. His, his tyres would degrade to a point where he can overtake Hamilton because obviously his decent straight line speed. So 
I don't think it's a really a race what it could have been if if he pitted. I just think it was the the safety car and the VSE suited Verstappen so well that it was a point where it's like a toss of a coin if it's going to work or not. But they, for me, they should have kind of tried to block the track in terms of putting two Mercedes. Mm, yeah, it was. I think frustrating from a strategy point of view because, in my opinion, potentially both Hamilton and Russell could have pit, and in the end, only Russell did. But Russell only pit after he went on radio and was like, "We should pit, we should pit." So he, this wasn't even Mercedes' plan that one of them would pit. It was Russell being like, "We should do this, otherwise we're just going to get." caught out and I just felt bad for Hamilton because he was never going to compete with Verstappen because Verstappen's a quicker car he had fresher tires and Hamilton's just there falling back the order I mean he did pretty well to get fourth but I did I did feel sorry for him and I think from a strategy point of view Mercedes didn't quite get it right but if you're looking at over the years, how many amazing strategy calls have Mercedes made? So I feel like this is one of the weekends where they could have done a bit better from that point of view. But unlike Ferrari, where it's every week, <laughs> it's more of a one-off blip for Mercedes. And the team behind Mercedes in the constructors are Alpine on 125 points. They picked up 10 points this weekend. And after a frustrating qualifying where Alonso was 13th and Ocon was 12th, they ended up with Alonso in 6th and Ocon in 9th, getting some great points and gaining some places to the most consistent drivers on the grid. How do you rate their weekend? I think it's very good um, that they beat McLaren, which is their objective. So... Um... But yeah, very. I'm very impressed with with Ocon and, and Alonso in terms of the fact that it's a very hard track to to overtake. So yeah, it's a, a good result for for the Alpines. Mm, yeah, certainly a great result, and they're just so super consistent. I mean, I know Alonso had had problems this year, but even when Alonso's had problems, Ocon's just consistently there. Whether it's like sixth or around that position or if it's just like ninth or tenth he will just consistently get points just every week and well that's the difference between Alpine and McLaren because it's the the there's so much emphasis on Norris to get the points that it's just impossible for them to compete but yeah Alpine for me unless we see an incredible turnaround from Daniel Ricciardo in the last few races. I think they've got fourth place in a bag and a fantastic season with a lot of intrigue around what happens next season with, of course, Alonso leaving. Who's going to be Ocon's teammate? Looks like it's going to be Gasly. Supposedly don't get on that well. A lot of question marks for next season, but for this season, definitely had a good one and will probably get fourth. But on to their competitors, of course, McLaren on 101 points in the Constructors, 24 behind Alpine. They got six points this weekend as Lando Norris qualified seventh, finished seventh. And then Daniel Ricciardo (laughs) qualified 17th, finished 17th. So (laughs) it is quite the tale uh, of two different stories here. 
it is Norris getting all the points and Ricardo struggling to get in the top 15. But <laughs> Joe, you're a McLaren fan. What do you think of this weekend? Yeah, I don't know. As in, I, obviously, I didn't watch Q1 just uh, just because I was a. Um, I forgot what the time was, um, but I heard, heard that it was dust in the track, and then obviously you can get. But I think the problem for me with um, with Daniel is the fact is that he's, he's so he is really talented, but he's just lost the full confidence in the car. The fact is that. Um, He's more comfortable with a car that turns when you brake, um, which um, a lot of the older drivers are finding quite difficult. So it's it's kind of the fact is that is is getting quite a dim end to his McLaren career when there was so much like expectation with with um, Ricardo, and then you got Norris, young, um, pulling everything out of the bag in a very difficult car um, to get seventh. That, that, yeah, seventh or six, yeah, it was seventh. Yeah, yeah for, for me, it's, it's interesting as well. What the interesting next year for, for McLaren in terms of the fact is, is it the car? Um, the fact is, is it just Ricardo's trying to get the maximum out of the car, but it's just the car's not doing what it wants to do and it's just terrible. Or is Norris an incredible driver? Which I'll probably go with the Norris an incredible driver, which means the fact is Osprey Astri is going into that seat kind of means the fact is that is he in effect going to a seventh place car in the pecking order of, of the teams? Um, so, yeah, as, is, as you said, going from two halves, that, that that's it. It's just Norris getting the maximum out of the car and and Daniel just doing his best. Yeah, it's a tough one for them. And Ricardo doing his best, but at the moment his best is nowhere near good enough. And it is yeah, it's 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 hard to see, but yeah, as you what, said, what, Sam, what, what, what 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 do you think it is? Do you think it is the the car or do you think it is Norris getting of like putting the bar higher than it than than it should be. I'm gonna say it's a mix of both and sit a bit on the fence because I think that Lando Norris is a fantastic driver. I think he's one of the best drivers on the grid. But I also think that Ricardo's not pulling his weight. The car doesn't suit him, but there are drivers on this grid who the car doesn't suit them. And over time, they've grown accustomed to it and got used to it and adapted. Ricardo has just not adapted at all. And I get it. People specialise in a certain type of machinery. Like Ricardo has his setup and his car that he likes, but you need to be able to adapt. You have to be able to adapt to a new scenario. And he just hasn't done that. And that has been his downfall. On to Alfa Romeo now, zero points this weekend, 51 points in the Constructors. You had Bottas from 16th to a DNF and Zhou Guan Yu from 14th to 16th. Is there much to say about Alfa Romeo this weekend? No, no, isn't just really disappointing from, from their point of view. 
mm. terms of Bottas and then obviously Joe basically finishing where they started. Yeah, it's just reliability again, isn't it? Their car yeah. just has zero reliability. And at the moment, it doesn't even appear like they have race pace, which at least they had at the start of the season. They had poor reliability, but good race pace. Now it's like they have not great race pace and still the poor reliability. So, yeah, not much to say about Alfa Romeo, but the fact that they've built an unreliable car has meant that they've spent all their money on just fixing it and not much money on developing it. So, yeah, Alfa Romeo, not a great race in Zandvoort. On to Haas now, another team got zero points this weekend, 34 points in the Constructors. Kevin Magnussen went from 18th to 15th in my fancy team, getting myself some eight points. Wow, unbelievable points from him. And then Mick Schumacher going from 8th to 13th. Both, both had pretty anonymous races, apart from when Magnussen decided to whack into a barrier instead of going across the corner, but carried on racing. But yeah, again, another one like Alfa Romeo Haas, what is there to say? I think it's just the fact is Mick, Mick Schumacher needs to try and step up. I think there's rumours of him getting mm. out of the Ferrari Academy. Um, which means basically he needs to now perform in order to mm. keep that hassy if Daniel Ricciardo is sniffing around it. Mm. And Hulkenberg, supposedly. Hulkenberg's also, also another contender. So yeah. that would be that would be nice. It would be hard because I love Ricciardo and I love Hulkenberg, but I think I'd prefer Hulkenberg in the seat just because he's been out of the sport for so long and that's really sad because he's one of my favourite drivers. But... We'll, we'll have to see, wait and see what happens with Haas. But yeah, he's certainly under pressure, pressure Schumacher as teams supposedly are looking to go to experience rather than developing a young driver, especially those towards the back of the grid. Now to Alpha Tauri, third team in a row with zero points. They've got 29 in the constructors. You have Pierre Gasly, who went from 11th to 11th, so just stayed exactly where he was. And Yuki Tsunoda went from ninth, fantastic qualifying position, to a DNF. And I'm just going to quickly say, Alpha Tauri have got to be probably the most disappointing this team this season in terms of their car. I mean, it is nowhere, and it's so reliant on Gasly and Tsunoda pulling something out of the bag. And they didn't this weekend. What do you think of their race? Yeah, as in... Now it gives big questions if Gasly's head's turned for next season, if you're going to Alpine. I don't think, I don't, I, at the moment, I don't think Gasly's showing the form in order to be kind of promoted up the grid in terms of where AlphaTauri is. Um, because of this current form, the fact is they're doing, they're not getting points and Gasly not really performing out of the skin of the car like last year and then Sonoda being Sonoda. He, he's, he's improved this year though. He has well, improved and well, he's, no, well, I think th- he's beating Gasly in the points. Yeah, the one thing, yeah, as I say, I would say is the fact is he's beaten his teammate but he's been quite anonymous this season. Mm, but in an anonymous car and in an anonymous car, you just have to beat your teammate. That's your yeah. main aim. And so far, he's doing that. Well, I think Gasly will probably still finish ahead of him. But so far, Snowden, it's an improvement 
in my opinion, last season. And he is still developing despite in this race. I mean, he it wasn't his fault, of course, but who knows what went wrong with that car. I mean, they said it was a differential issue. Yes, it was. It, I mean, I'm I'm not saying they're lying, but it was just a, such a weird circumstance that I still can't quite wrap my head around. Now to Aston Martin and the last team who got a point with one singular point, bringing them one point closer, of course, to Alpha Tauri, but they are on 25 points now, four, point, four points behind Red Bull's sister team. It's Sebastian Vettel who started 19th after messing up the final corner in qualifying to finishing 14th and then Lance Stroll qualifying 10th in fantastic piece quality and again showing that his race pace is strong by holding on to that 10th position. How do you look at Aston Martin's weekend? Do you think they will catch Alpha Tower? There's another bonus question. Oh, no. Uh, I, I th- I'm going to say no. Just the fact is, I think Alpha Tauri's car is better than Aston Martin. And I think Aston Martin looking at next season with Fernando Alonso and the vision there. Um, but I think Aston, as you say, Alpha Tauri's most disappointing car this season. I've got to say Aston Martin as well, in terms of the fact is there's high, high hopes. Um, with Vettel going there for carrying on um, for another season and obviously Stroll staying there. Um, and then obviously, you know, all that funding and whatever, changing the name, I think, oh, okay, they're going to really kick on. But it feels like they kept taking a step backwards this season. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's, I don't think that I don't think they will catch them just due to that fact that they were so far behind Alpha Tari before then. Um, but I think going to the um, the the result from Stroll in the Grand Prix, I think it was a very solid job and kind of makes his reputation as not as an F one driver rather than being his dad's owned a team so he gets a, a race seat kind of thing mm. he's kind of hopefully gaining that respect that he is an f1 driver rather than a, his dad's money car driver kind of thing yeah no it was a good result for stroll as you said and they are, have been disappointing it's been weird this season because as it's a whole new regulation It's just down to who has interpreted it the best and who has messed up. And there's a few teams that have messed up. I think Mercedes at the start of the season got it completely wrong. Red Bull have Adrian Newey and he is just like a genius and you give him any regulation and he will smash it out out the park. He did his whole thesis at... I think it was university on ground effects and ha- what effect it has on race cars. And, and then, of course, this season, you have the porpoising issues and Red Bull, the only team who don't because Adrian Newey is such a pro. So, yeah, this season it's been who has interpreted it well, who hasn't. Alpha Tauri and Aston Martin haven't. But, I mean, even if they finish where they are, I mean, they're only 
I think they're both what one or two places down on last season. So yeah. that they haven't made steps forward and have only made steps backward. But yeah, Lance Stroll, good point for the lad. Williams now, final team. Zero points this weekend, four points in the constructors. Alex Albon qualified 15th, finished 12th. Nicholas Latifi started 20th, gained two places, finishing 18th, but those were both to do the DNFs. I was going to say that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. What do you think about Williams? I mean, four points, are they going to catch the 21 points on Aston Martin? <laughs> no, no. What well, unless uh, Albon pick or well, does a sensational race. Yeah, for me, yeah, for me, this this season again is, a, I'm going to say, a quite a huge disappointment. The fact is of Williams getting new owners, getting new facilities, and all that sort of stuff. They should be doing better. Um, they have the talent to do better. They probably don't have one driver to do better in Nicholas Atifi. And for me, if they want to improve, they need to address that. Um, but yeah, as in that answer your question about if they can catch Aston Martin, which I don't. In terms of this weekend, just out um Albon outperforming the car. Again, if the two um retirements didn't happen, he would have finished where he started. So in 14th. So mm, yeah, it, it's it's tough for Williams because as you said, it, there's such an emphasis on Albon having to get the points because Latifi isn't. And it's tough, but Latifi is the worst driver on the grid. He is probably one of the nicest guys on the grid. And so, that, so that's hard because despite the fact that he's a paid driver, I feel like he just embraces every race and he just loves his Nutella and he's just such a sound guy. But I think this is his last season in F1. Nick DeVries is looking very likely to replace him. Maybe Logan Sargent in with a shout as well. But I think that's if he can get the points. I, I don't know if he does or not. But this weekend, anonymous race. Not bad from Albon, to be fair. 15th to 12th, probably the best he could do in the car. And then Latifi just being at the back like always now moving on to some positivity and driver of the day now joe we had a discussion about beforehand you weren't sure who you were going to go for who have you chosen um i think i have to choose the uh, person who's got pole um the driver who has also won the race and got the fastest lap and that's that, that's max and he's been dominant is kind of Lewis esque, as probably many Dutch fans don't particularly like me saying that, but is Lewis S is in a dominant car um, over the field. And the fact is, it reminds me of 2008 where uh, Ferrari were in a very dominant position then and then just bottled it. And it kind of feels like the same way. The fact is that the Red Bull being consistent and performing well. And yeah, Max has just absolutely dominated this race. And if if it wasn't for the safety car, it might be a different story. But it, that that's just how F one is. 
Yeah, I mean, he's dom- dominated this race. He's dominated this season. He is a he's a worthy champion this season, and a worthy race winner this weekend. But I've gone for someone different. I've gone for one of the Alpines, and the man I've chosen is Fernando Alonso. He made his weekend difficult, qualifying in 13th place. Of course, both Alpines did, so not sure if that's a car issue, if that's a driver not getting the best out of the car. But from 13th to 6th, I mean, his race pace was immense. He cut his way through the field, finishing seven places ahead of where he started. And, of course, he got fortunate with the signs, um, five-second penalty, and did profit from that. But he he put his car in a position to profit from that and had a very, very solid race. So for me, I don't think there were many standouts for driver of the day. Russell may be another. But for me, Fernando Alonso, for the most positions gained from where they started, is the man I'm going to choose. And that wraps up our podcast reviewing the Dutch Grand Prix in Zandvoort. We hope you enjoyed it. And, of course, the next race is only a few days away, the Italian Grand Prix at Monza. We're very much looking forward to that, and we will bring you a preview to that. But if you liked this episode, drop us a subscribe, give us a like, comment down below what your thoughts were on the race. Remember, our links to our socials are down below in the comment section. And, of course, also in the comment section on audio platforms. But, yes, thank you for listening, and we'll see you in the next one.